Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Gina Sim, who is a retired teacher and author of Heart to Heart. Gina, how you doing? Good. (laughs) Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, once you're retired, you know, the word fun takes on a whole new meaning. You like, you really find yourself and you get enough sleep and (laughs) (laughs) you find your creativity and you take long walks. And anyway, the day just flies by. And I have to say that before I retired, because I had a career that was very stimulating, I was a first grade teacher And, you know, one of these careers where you really feel like you're making a difference in the world, I couldn't imagine myself retired. And uh, I remember talking to people about it, you know, I'm just going to hold out, you know, what's the point? But um, one of the things that happened is that, you know, the fast pace of teaching many, many careers, teaching in particular, I couldn't keep all the balls in the air in the way that I could when I was young. And um, so that that was one reason that made me, you know, think twice about staying in it, you know, until 100. Um, The other reason is that um, I started writing a book at the last four years of my career. Someone asked me to kind of write down what I was doing um, in my classroom. So... um, I couldn't wait to be able to talk about my book and promote it and do workshops and things like that, you know, um, you know, when having the time to do that. Um, The downside of that is that you leave the laboratory that you're working in. So you rely on memories. Mm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, what I like to do for fun is, um, you know, pretty simple living, you know, just making a good meal, getting enough exercise. I live in a co-housing community. So I if you don't know what that is, it's it's intentional community living. Um, We have like, you know, 13 households and we share resources and uh, we have a big common house where we have meals together a few times a week and play ping pong and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, it's a, um, it's a, so I, I live in a community and um, that's really great because there's so much to do here and I don't have to get in my car to go and, you know, socialize. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. And you said it's a co-living community or a co. It's called, yeah, it's called co-housing and it, it was, it was um, designed or thought of um in Denmark and it's based on the European village so that, you know, it's just any kind of neighborhood really, except that you actually know your neighbors and 
the architectural design is intentional to actually bump into people. I got so, you. So kitchen windows face each other and it, there's no cars. Um, there's, there's centralized parking. So when you go into the community, you leave the parking lot and you walk up into the village and you bring your groceries up in a cart. And anyway, yeah, there's many all over the world, co-housing communities. I gotcha. I gotcha. And are you in America? Yes. Yes. I'm in Massachusetts. Gotcha. I was just asking because we're so individualist over here and I've heard about co-living communities sourced from Denmark because my friend is really into them, but we've just talked about how they're kind of scarce here in America because everybody's so like, I want my personal space and my own lawn and like this, like, yeah. um, not even that. Cause I feel like you can have a co-living community and have your personal space, but it's just like, we're not very relational yes. <laughs> as yeah. much in America. So yeah, that's really awesome that you live in a co-living community. I like that a lot. I want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier about how, you know, you kind of left teaching because couldn't juggle all the balls and you were also wanting to go full time on the book, but now you're kind of living off memories. What's the tension there with like having written the book and like having, you're talking about it, but you're not like practicing it every day necessarily. Does some of the stuff get a little fuzzy? How do you deal with that? Oh yeah, it doesn't get fuzzy. Um, it that's not it. It's just that. Um, let's see. Like one of the things I did in my book is I wrote a curriculum, a social emotional curriculum. So that what that means in educational jargon is uh, a curriculum to teach the kids how to get along with each other. And uh, the way I like to put it is I created this infrastructure for compassion. So that not, not just getting along, but really having empathy skills and being able to problem solve without me and um, know how to be there for each other open-heartedly. Um, so um, the one of the ways I had designed the curriculum is through children's books. So you read a book, you know, I have these 14 lessons that are based on children's books. So the teacher or the parent, because this can apply to families as well, reads a storybook that has some principles in it from nonviolent communication. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's mm -hmm. a whole that's a whole thing. And so you read the book and then you have discussion points and a follow-up activity. And uh, basically you're teaching a lesson, like for example, one lesson in my book is called feelings come and feelings go. Another lesson is needs are universal. Another lesson is friendship is a super important need. Empathy is like a healing potion, things like that. So um, the Sounds book- like adults could use these. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So the, the lessons are based on these children's books, but when you leave the classroom- there's still being children's books written all the time. And I am not um, surrounded by all the new children's books that have come around that are in our school library. And, you know, I had a relationship with a librarian and she would always be saying, have you seen this one? You know, so that's an example of being out of the laboratory. I gotcha. All of the, all of the problems that happen in a classroom are all the same, you know, it's just the same through time. Yeah. Um, 
the technology changes um, and things like that. Um, you know, I'm not bumping into little kids telling me an amazing story about, you know, while I'm tying their shoe, I'm not hearing them say, you know, my father died this summer, but it's my mother told me it's all going to be okay. You know, those things, yeah. you, you hear things like that, you know, um, you know, every day, not, not at that intent level of intensity, but amazing things mm -hmm. all day long. And you're just, uh, you know, it's like syrup being poured over you. Um, it's one of the real things that keep you going, um, for the hard stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I miss that, but, um, you know, it's like any, like any career, you know, you have meetings to go to and reports to write and um, phone calls to make and emails to read. And so that's, that's the part that I don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit more about why you wrote the book. Like what's your motivation for writing the book, getting it out there, what gets you up and keeps you going every day? Yeah, well, I knew I was onto something. Um, I, I started learning the principles of nonviolent communication about my last 10 years of teaching. And that really um, made me realize that uh, I didn't have to be a problem solver anymore, which is what, you know, I think parents and teachers think that that's what they're supposed to do. A problem comes, you're supposed to make suggestions, you're supposed to give advice. And through the principles of nonviolent communication, I realized all I really had to do was let them know that I really cared and to just reflect a little bit like, wow, that sounds hard. And you must have just really felt like you wanted to matter and belong. And if I could say something like that, um, they didn't, they were just like, thank you, you know, and they're off and running. I didn't need to say, well, have you tried asking her if she wants to sit next to you at lunch? Um, all of those things. Because when you do start problem solving like that, it takes away from the the present moment of caring and listening. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people can feel that, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, she's going to suggest this, you know. So um, once I realized that, I started... Uh, putting together some systems and um, like the books are one system. Another system I created was called the wheel of choice and it had a bunch of options in, it's not a wheel that spins. It's just a pie <laughs> that was mounted on the wall. And each segment of the pie had a choice that um, a, a student or more than one student could make if there was any kind of distress. So for example, one piece of the pie said, take a break. One piece of the pie said, have an empathy session. One piece of the pie said, make a request and so on. And those pieces of the pie were also taught through the curriculum. So whenever there was a problem that, you know, if a child presented a problem to me, one of the things I would say is, well, have you tried something on the wheel of choice? And they would be like, oh, right, you know, and off they would go. So that was my second system. And then my third system was just how to have a problem solving meeting with the whole class about problems that impacted everybody. And, you know, same with families. So like a family meeting, but a class meeting. 
Um, so yeah, once I started creating these systems, people were saying, wow, you should write a book. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, 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 I don't write books. You know, I'm not like author material, that kind of thing. I kind of just, you know, didn't take it seriously, but I had a mentor that really, um, pushed me on it in a nice way. And, uh, so I started trying and it came very easily actually, because I was just writing about something that I already was doing and that I knew how to do. And I created this manual. I have, I have it right here just to show you that it's very skinny. And I did that on purpose because, um, so many books for parents and teachers that are out there and really, really good are like tomes yep. and full of narrative. And um, it's like, I can't read this. I can't finish this. And you just often walk away feeling worse than you did when, you know, you got the book in your hands. And so I just, this is actually, I'm calling it a manual. It actually is a manual, a how-to book, so that it's used more like you would use the manual in your car, you know, when you have to change the clock or something. So you can go to the section on, um, you know, like making a request or expressing a regret and, you know, dog ear that and, you know, put a little sticky in it, things like that. So, yeah, that that's what it all that's how it all evolved. And um, so, yeah, it's very it's very gratifying. I have a nice amount of stimulation in my life with promoting my book and doing workshops and stuff and just living my life. When I was teaching, I, when I was teaching, I, I was living my life like a tiny little bit. And my career took up, you know, everything else. Luckily, it was a career that I really enjoyed. But yeah. still, it's really nice to kind of do more self-care. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And can you remind me what that first system was? I got that the second system was like, take a piece of pie. The third system was like, how to have classroom uh, kind of problem solving meetings, much like a family yeah. would. What was that first system again? The first system was um, the curriculum, what the mm. children's books, 14 lessons, gotcha. yep, yep, yep. teaching them about empathy in all these 14 different ways. I gotcha. I gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, that sounds so. I'm curious though, because you were teaching first graders, right? Mm -hmm. To what extent were first graders able to like, really practice because these are I mean high level emotional skills like empathy isn't like I mean there are 40 year old men that struggle with empathy a lot of them actually and so how right. how well did the first graders kind of interpret the information and then were they able to execute on the day-to-day -day? yeah it's really the inverse of what you're describing it's really like so many things little kids can learn something more easily than mm -hmm. older people for all those reasons. And one of the things I noticed is that, um, well, first of all, let's go back to sort of like the Buddhist principles of uh, we're all born um, open-heartedly yep. <laughs> as, as loving creatures, right? We're not born, you know, with stress and anger. Yeah. <laughs> I once, I once saw a poster in my school, early in my career on somebody's wall that um, had a bunch of infants all swaddled, you know, from all over the world, you know, all lined up. And at the top of the poster, it said, nobody's born angry. 
And it really made an impression on me. <laughs> like, so the, it begs the question, like, well, what happens? Right. Yeah. So, so um, that principle of, uh, you know, there, uh, we, we're, let's, our open heartedness, our, our goodness, our compassion is like the sun that's always shining and the sun never stops shining, even though there's clouds in the way, right? The sun is still shining. So that open heartedness within us all is like the sun, but the clouds cover it, you know, for others and for ourselves so that we can't access it. So that's, that's a, that's one way of looking at it. And that's sort yeah. of like a Buddhist Tibetan Buddhist principle. But, um, what I've noticed is, uh, like, if you put in the schedule, like math, reading, heart talk, the kids come in and they're like, oh, what's heart talk? And you just say, well, we're going to learn, you know, it's it's how to use our hearts to help us love each other. You know, they're like, OK, you know, so they just they're like, OK, when what time is heart talk? Oh, 230. Oh, great. What are we learning in Heart Talk today? And I'll be like, oh, it's right there on the board. Um, today, we're going to learn about how feelings come and feelings go. And then, you know, they'll start talking and they'll be like, that's true. And then they'll have the lesson and it goes from there. And I'll just tell you one story. I've told a lot of different in a lot of different venues that on my last year teaching on the first day of school, um, I had a student come in who was on the spectrum and he walked in and he looked at all of the feelings and needs cards that I had on the wall, like nine by 12. And um, so I'll just show you, I have a small version of these. So here's a feelings card that's surprised, that's scared, you know, that's lonely. Mm -hmm. I had those really big on the wall and I had the needs cards are like, um, giving and sharing, a need for giving and sharing, a need to matter and belong, a need to learn and discover, et cetera. So he comes in the first day, he memorizes all of them because that's you know his forte. And we sit down for our first morning meeting to get to know each other. And he raised his hand right away and said, um, Miss Gina, I'm really lonely because I need friendship. So he... In, I, I hadn't taught a thing, right? We didn't even know each other's names. And it brought the compassion into the into the classroom. We all sat there like, wow, just feeling for him. And he got this emotional vocabulary, you know, in one morning without it being taught and was able to express himself. Um, and so that's that's an example of a quick study of a a younger person versus a 40 year old. Yeah. Just on those, just looked at the nine by 12 cards. I was like, that's the one for me. And he was able yeah. to, that's really, that's yeah. And I also like the open heart nature of kids where it's like, they don't, they haven't been told or um, conditioned to believe that vulnerability is like a bad thing. Exactly. So they will um, willingly share that stuff with yes. people, you know? Yeah. Really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Well, awesome. Tell us about your dreams and goals, vision for the book. Like, do you see it going to every teacher across the world? Or are you just kind of in small communities of teachers? Where do you see the book doing? What do you see the impact it making in classrooms? Yeah. Um, 
my mentor, the person I mentioned who asked me to consider writing a book and really, you know, encouraged me and helped me along the way. She, uh, when she first realized what I was doing, she said, you know, she was a big visionary person and really wanted everybody to think in visionary terms and said, so what is your vision? You know, and I said, well, I'd love it. You know, if all the the first grade teachers that so we have three classes, if all the first grade teachers in my school used my systems. And she was like, really? You don't want to go any bigger than that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, actually, you know, it'd be great if like the kindergarten teachers and the second grade teachers joined because, you know, they're the sandwich between first grade. And again, really? And then, you know, I went into, well, maybe the whole school, maybe the district. And she just keeps saying, really? And I was like, are you saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you saying the whole world? <laughs> and she said, of course. Yep. Yeah. That's really awesome. Who is your mentor? Is she like well-known? Yeah. Her name is Mickey Cashtan and she is a an NVC, nonviolent communication practitioner, and definitely a very well-known name in the world of NVC. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I'm like, it takes somebody special to push people like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, um, I really have never forgotten that. And now I'm doing it. I was just, you know, I got an email. I was in Maine doing a workshop um, for teachers and while I was there, I got an email from a woman in Amsterdam saying, hi, Gina. I, I didn't know who this person was. Hi, Gina. I just want wanted to know if you'd be interested in doing a, a workshop for our democratic school in the Netherlands. And I was like, wow, that's awesome, you know. So I, we, we worked it out. And then like the week before the workshop, she emailed me and said, Actually, we have some friends from the Czech Republic that would like to join it, uh, join us because they have a democratic school there too. And I was like, Czech Republic, like, is that Prague? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second, Amsterdam and Prague, they're like the coolest cities in the world. So anyway, that's an example of it going into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's epic. And not to mention, you know, the pandemic and Zoom and, you know, Zoom bringing everybody from all over the world together. And and I actually retired the year before the pandemic. So that was very lucky. Very great timing. <laughs> yeah. Not on purpose, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So we got get heart to heart out to the whole world. Um, are there any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Oh, yeah. I think... Um, I would just, you know, I, I have this thing, this new mantra, you know, open-hearted children lead to an open-hearted world. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> yes, because it's obvious that that's what would happen if we could all stay open-hearted, then everything we do would be like if we had an open-hearted family, let's just start there. We would have, we would sit around the dinner table being vulnerable and compassionate and communicative. And we would be able to let each other into our inner landscape, which is what everybody wants. Everybody. 
everybody wants everybody wants to reveal their inner landscape and they want to hear about yours. Um, so that's just a family, but think about like, so the open-hearted children are running the world now. And so the companies are sitting around being vulnerable and compassionate and transparent and open-hearted. And, you know, it just, it goes from there. Yeah. If, if you think on that scale, the scale of a family and a scale of a large corporation, and you can see how it would all come together. Oh, 100%. The dominoes start to fall. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Um, open-hearted children lead to an open-hearted world. And it really is true because kids will like teach you some or remind you of. Because I feel like most of us really just need reminders, like yeah. lessons we learn, but we just need to be reminded of them. Some pretty profound stuff of just like... You know, you've had kids being so like honest and forthright, just really call their parents out on some stuff or, you know, talk about something like this is how I'm feeling in a certain situation. And it shocks the parents like, exactly. oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing to my child or this is how my child feels because of my behavior or so on and so forth. And so, yeah, I like that a lot. Open hearted children lead to an open hearted world. So I guess in addition to getting heart to heart out to the whole world, the intent behind that is to kind of create that environment where we have open hearted children leading to that open hearted world. Yeah, actually leading the world. Mm. Because they're now the open hearted adults running the world. There we go. I mean, people go. like you, you know, you are you are a person because of your age, you know, you're younger than me. Um, but like you're the prime age for like what I think of people running the world. I gotcha. I appreciate that. How old do you think I am? Oh, I'd say early 40s, late 30s. 23. Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You're way younger than I thought. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're getting a real head start there. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm happy about it too you know i'm just doing what i like to do ask me about and i you know i i hope that you're being successful because when i saw you, the name of your podcast it really pulled me in mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i appreciate that well awesome what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now in order to kind of get heart to heart out to the whole world and start creating that world where the open-hearted children are the ones leading it the skills that i need to do that mm-hmm what yeah oh obviously creativity uh you know thinking outside of the box um like I try to do something creative every day and it doesn't have to be about my book it can be like making a birthday card for somebody <laughs> yeah just you know just getting the creative juices flowing um and then just you know confidence you know yeah. just like not holding back what you know you have to offer and I've definitely noticed that in myself. Um, you know, towards the end of my teaching career, I was very confident. I was like never holding back. But then once I stopped, now I'm in this new sort of second career. I could I could feel myself shying away. Um, and I and I I now I'm feeling myself being more confident and reflecting on, yeah, I was I was holding back. Yeah. I was holding back then. I gotcha. Well, like for example, one of the things I'm doing now is working with Instagram. I mean, somebody my age doesn't usually try to work with Instagram, but I'm really liking it. And I'm doing these things called open hearted minutes now. And just for one minute, 
talking about the things I'm talking to you about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the ways of getting it out because that's one of the tools that people use on a regular basis. Yeah. Dude, Instagram has basically everybody's attention. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that you are, have stepped into confidence. I guess just a follow-up question on that. Do you feel like there are still places where you lack a bit of confidence and so you're holding out on yourself? And if so, where are those places? Yeah, probably. Nothing's coming to mind, but um, there, yeah, I mean, of course. Um, yeah, I, um, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, 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 what am I not doing? I don't, I don't know what it is that I'm not doing. Um, but it, it feels like there must be something that I'm not doing to get what I have to offer out there um, yeah. because, because <laughs> I guess I'm being impatient, but in a good way. Um, uh, so I, I, I want it to be, I want it to be more um, out there. I just want it to be more out there. Yeah. 100%. Um, have you ever thought about employing, leverage into the situation like Instagram is a form of leverage in the sense that it's like you post it once and it just keeps on keeping on and keeps getting attention and so that's kind of like one action for you equals multiplied output and so are there any other ways you see yourself putting leverage into the scenario of getting your book out there whether it be with other people or using money or using technology or any other forms of media yeah, yeah, all those things really count for something. Um, I'm holding back on spending money, um, but I am, I am, doing a lot of collaborating with people, um, people that are interested in the same things that I'm interested in, but are doing something a little different. So we'll do a workshop together. Like uh, I have a friend that just wrote a book, um, a children's book that would go with my children's book. So we're we're doing a workshop together in 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 a month or so down in DC. Um, what's another example? A friend of mine um, is a, a personal coach, you know, like a business coach. And he he put together a fundamentals of coaching class that I decided to take um, because coaching is, you know, uh, also very relevant for what I do. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, I. I don't know if you've heard of sociocracy, but it's 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 a way of uh, governing uh, organizations, and I know a lot about that because this is how our co-housing community is governed, and they have a section um, called sociocracy and youth, and I just started collaborating with them. Mm. I met somebody. I met somebody who wrote a book very similar to mine, a manual, very skinny. Um, but it's all about using sociocracy with children to make decisions. So we collaborated. So collaborating is is really good because you get other ideas. You know, yeah. if you can if you can find somebody to work with, um, and then just just being open. You know, like people will say, "Have you ever thought of?" You know, when you first hear that, you're just like, "Oh God." Um, but, but I try to be open. Like, yeah, let's listen. What 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 do you got? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs>
That's awesome. I really like the focus on collaboration. There's this book called Who Not How, which talks a lot about anytime you're stuck doing something and you're thinking about how you need to do it, instead, ask yourself the question, who do I need to meet that can help me get this done? Because, you know, you're going to be like, how do I grow my following on Instagram? Well, you could spend three years learning to do that. And then the algorithm changes. Yes. Who can I meet right now to help me grow my following on Instagram? Somebody could already have a hundred thousand followers and cut your learning curve by like two years, you know? And so, yes, it's just a really good form. Like collaboration is key. What did you say? Who something, how? Oh, it's called who not how. Oh, who not how I see new who not. Oh, perfect. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, my friend today who got me into this Instagram idea, she was saying, Oh, I saw your two posts and is it okay? I just, I've got, I've got a lot of, creative ideas I just want to throw out you know and it's like sure you know I've been thinking too and she's just like boom 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 I really liked your shirt you know I you know but I'm thinking you know it's got to be the camera has to be closer and she just named all these things that I was already kind of thinking about so that was fantastic because I got very um you know my there weren't doubts that were confirmed Um, It was the opposite of doubts, you know, but like my ideas were confirmed. So Mm -hmm. it made me want to try it. You know, if she hadn't, if she hadn't said that, I'd be like, yeah, should I do that? You know, I got you. Yeah. Well, awesome. Gina, what are the highest impact daily actions that you can take right now to tick the needle forward towards getting heart to heart out to the world? Hmm. Well, one of the things I already do is I keep a journal and I I write in it. I have a format for it. And I have um so like you know how the, the journal opens up and you have two pages, one on the left, one on the right. The page on the left, I always write down everything I can remember that I did the day before. And at the bottom of that page, I, I make a list of the things that I want to do today. Mm-hmm. And then on the right-hand page, I try to write something like a little narrative that's kind of poetic, just about what's going on inside. And then I try to do a drawing under that. And then I go to the next page for the next day and I write down everything I did the day before. And I can look at the next page to see what I did if I accomplished it or didn't. And that really organizes me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, whenever I finish a journal and I don't have a new one in that little period before I get another journal, because I get really skinny journals, you know, so I go through them fast. I I like going through them fast to have a a reason to buy another one. Um, When I'm in that transition period, it's unbelievable how much I'm not getting done even though I've got the template in my head, writing is amazing for making commitments to what you want to do and what you want to be doing and what you've already done. I'm pretty sure when you write your goals down, you're like 40% more likely to achieve them. So, exactly. It's definitely true. So I recommend that. And it's, I, I do it for myself and, you know, um, the thing I'm noticing is the difference between when I'm not doing it and when I am doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you ever do any like mm, 
keynote speaking or consulting at a district level. I'm just trying to think your book primarily the audience is teachers, right? Well, it's both. It's both. It's it actually says um, a manual for parents and teachers. Oh, OK. Yeah. So every word in the book. It's interesting because I was writing a book for two audiences. So every sentence that I was creating, I had to read. I had to say, is this is this going to apply to both audiences? Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. You were trying to make a point, which I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I was asking um, something I learned about traffic, like um, not like car traffic, but like social media traffic, like attention flow from a dude named Russell Brunson is that it's already there. You just have to like find where it's at and then get in yes. front of it. Like it's not yes. creating more traffic. It's like, okay, who already has the eyeballs of, a hundred thousand teachers and how can I get in front of their platform? And like, so if there was a podcast that every teacher listened to, you know, you'd want to be on that podcast type of vibe. Right. Yes. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, cause I feel like districts obviously have the ears of all the teachers yeah. in the district because <laughs> they're their employer. And so I was like, how could you work with a district to, um, you know, get your book in front of that district in a way that, you know, is good for you. Cause I don't want you traveling the country and you're, uh, retired days that would take out all your room for <laughs> self-care <laughs> right right but um, yeah, no that's really good I'm I'm glad you're saying it it's very encouraging and um you're definitely you know the the, the person in the district is called the curriculum director mm -hmm. the curriculum of the director is the person who hires people to come and give a workshop to the whole district and um so, I mean, I just know that because, you know, I worked in a school, but um, so, yeah, I'm working on that. And uh, it's true. I'm, I'm disappointed that I haven't been as successful as I'd like to be. And one of the phenomenon that phenomenon that occur is the, the not in our own backyard phenomenon, you know, like the people that in your own town that, that, you, that really know you, that it's sort of like you're not as interesting like all of the stuff I'm doing is not in my own hometown. Yeah. I don't know what that phenomenon is, but it is a phenomenon. Um, it is for sure. And it's like, I'm too scared, you know, I'm too scared to go to Tim is his name, the curriculum director of my school that I left, you know, which I could ride my bike to. That's how close it is. You know, I'm too scared to ask Tim, you know, cause I know Tim and what if he's not interested and what if they already have a social emotional curriculum? So all that insecurity that we feel about the people that we know mm -hmm. definitely is at play. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a funny question because you just said Tim, but I'm gonna ask the <laughs> question anyway, in case somebody else comes to mind, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now and it could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards getting your book out there, who would that person be and how would they help you? Yeah, I think the um, not only curriculum directors, so let's say Tim, let's say Tim called me, that'd be awesome. Um, but also the schools of education in universities. Those are those are the teacher training programs, right? Mm -hmm. Those people. 
are teaching teacher teaching people how to become teachers mm -hmm. and those people that are learning to become teachers are terrified of classroom management for very good reason they want to know what they can do to have everybody get along so that they can actually teach i have some i literally have a friend i think she's a computer engineer or software engineer she said her ideal profession would be teaching if a it paid more because she makes more <laughs> than the teacher does and right. b she knew how to manage a classroom so those are right. her that's her biggest pain point outside of the money of it just managing a classroom exactly which is so interesting i'll have to send her this podcast <laughs> oh i love that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what is a uh, what's tim's last name the curriculum director Sheehan. How do you spell Timothy, that? Timothy Sheehan. Uh, S-H-E-E-N. Or no, S-H-E-H-A-N. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm going to send it to Tim, too. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go find him on LinkedIn or wherever. Right. And I'll send him the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the contact for you so if you get a gig let me know <laughs> unless you don't want me to if you don't want me to i, I won't but oh no that's awesome that's awesome. awesome okay sounds good so no, i i really like him he used to be a first grade teacher so i knew him then before he became the curriculum director so there we go perfect we go. <laughs> well now we're gonna jump into our thriving three and our first question is what's your favorite book movie or podcast pick one Oh, I really like The Daily, The New York Times, The Daily. I love how um, accessible that is to learning what's actually going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, podcast? It's a podcast. It's the New York Times podcast. Gotcha, gotcha, it's gotcha. called The Daily, um, which, you know, it's unlike, the, not to be confused with The Daily Show, you know, with yeah, yeah. Trevor Noah. Um even though I, I love his, I love his stuff too. Okay. So that would be my favorite podcast. And um, uh, it's just really hard to, to talk about books and, you know, um, and uh, movies. Cause I'm just always reading and always seeing movies. So I, it's like, that's okay. It was a pick one anyway. We, we can stick with the podcast. That's good. Okay, great. What is one way you like to take care of yourself? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I have uh, a garden. Uh, well, you know, I there's a community garden and then we have private gardens. My husband and I have a private garden with vegetables and flowers and whatnot. And I have been growing calendula. It's a flower. I don't know if you know what it is, but it's really good for your skin. And um, so I've been growing the calendula and harvesting it and making it into body butter. So I love making things um, that I'm going to use to take care of myself, like making my own products so that I don't know, I'm part of the whole process, including the growing of the flowers that go into them. Things like that give me a lot of, um, satisfaction in taking care of myself. And I don't know, like we have, we grow way more cherry tomatoes than we can eat, mm. you know, cause you know, you're yeah. eating them, you know, um, and so now we 
dry them out in the oven like sun-dried tomatoes. And we have them in the freezer for the winter. And I just love going in there and eating those frozen, you know, but now thought out sun-dried tomatoes because they're really good for me. And we grew them. Yeah. So things like that for self-care. I got you. I got you. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to network with and work with the schools of education at universities? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I I have a person I can ask, you know, for an email list. Oh, there we go. That's epic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm actually gonna write that down right now. Actually, ask yeah. that person for. Do they just casually have email lists for various things, or do they work for a company? How's that work? Oh no, she's just worked for a lot of different uh, colleges of education. Um, oh. So she knows how to access those lists. She knows, you know, like if you went on their website, she would know which person and how to how to how to access them. That is really exciting. Yeah. So I've been, I knew about this, you know, I, she's been in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, I should call Patty. Um, but now that you've asked me that and I've written it down, oh dear. Now I, <laughs> now I cannot shy away from it. I know. looks like Patty's getting a call later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, so usually I ask my final series of questions is about limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through them a little. We'll go through them. Um, I was, I've been thinking about changing them though. That's why I had that pretext there and I was debating okay. live whether or not I was going to, but we're going to go through them. Yeah. These questions can get a little personal. If you don't want to answer them, just be like, I'll pass. And I'll be like, okay, cool. What is a limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any. Um, I think it's about age, aging. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I can feel myself, um, you know, not as, not as physical, actually, it's more more physical, Mm. you know, not as physical. And so I can go down a, to a dark place about that with limiting beliefs. I got you. I got you. And this is a strange question, but bear with me here. Do you have any actions that reinforce this limiting belief in your life? Meaning you have the belief and then, you know, our beliefs produce thoughts, these thoughts produce feelings, and then we act based on those feelings. Do you have any actions that come from the limiting belief around aging? Yeah, it's really, um, you know, like waking up in the middle of the night. It's about being in bed at night. Mm. The dark, The darkness, the long stretch of time where I'm just with myself. Um, it's, it's unbelievable once the daylight hits. Yeah. It's it's all gone. I gotcha. I gotcha. If you were to change this limiting belief around aging into an abundant phrase Mm -hmm. that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be? It's something about wisdom because I can really feel that, uh, that I have a lot of life wisdom. And it comes easily for me to share. I just, yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the benefits of, of 
getting in your latter years and especially after you've uh, retired from a career. I got you. I got you. Last question for you here. How can we go about creating an environment? Think about a person who, you know, kind of has a fixed mindset. They're not really wanting to accept help or change right now in their life, but they also don't like their life. They're very discontent. How can we create an environment around that person not to make the choice for them, but that will help them change their life? Yeah, I think it comes back to vision. You know, you, when you have a vision for a person, um, you can um, treat them as if they're living their vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, it, it's not like it doesn't, you don't have to lie or anything like that, you, you know, but you can say things like, uh, yeah, that's something that you have a lot of expertise in. Um, you know, you can, it's not, it's not about just being positive. It's about reminding them of their, their, uh, what is it? Their greatness and, um, putting it into a context, you know, and saying things like, oh yeah, you could, you could be one of those people in co-housing it'd be really easy for you to be one of those people in our community that um, offers to give people rides, yeah. you know, so you can, you can make it into something very concrete. Um, you. You, you follow me? So it's not just, I think it's it, instead of sitting down and having a talk with somebody and saying, you know what, you're, you're not seeing your vision, <laughs> just sort of treating them as if they are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that a lot. I like like pointing out something great about a person and then putting it into context of like almost giving evidence to it. Exactly. I yeah. love that. Really cool. Really cool. Well, there we go. That's all we got for you today on the show, Gina. Thanks oh, so much. Thank you. Oh, it's been so nice talking to you. This is a really different podcast. This is my third one that I've done through Matchmaker. And uh, I did not know what to expect with you, but I really enjoyed it. There we go. I enjoyed it too. Is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? I would just say my website, uh, which is uh, teachingfromyourheart.org. So your and org. There we <laughs> go. So people want to say different things. Uh, I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to put it in your brain, but it's www.teachingfromyourheart.org org. And so if you go to my website, you'll see videos of kids having empathy sessions together and my classroom and books. And there's, you know, this podcast will now be on there uh, in addition to some others and songs that I've written and other things that I'm doing in the world of open-hearted living. And yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Gina had to say, make sure to check out that website. It will be down in the show notes. If you know any curriculum directors or people who are the head of the School of Education and universities, make sure to connect them to Gina and send them this podcast and Gina's website. That would be amazing. Thank you guys for listening. Gina, thank you for coming on the show. We will see you guys on the next one. And on that note, we're out. 
Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.